right. You can make your way to your seats as you're doing that. Listen, James 1.20, listen to what this says. It says, so put away all filth and evil excess and humbly welcome the message implanted within you, which is able to save your souls. But be sure you live out the message and do not merely listen to it. Tap the person next to you and say, let's live it out. Let's live it out. Let's live this out. That is the, the reason why we're here today. Listen, if you're here for any other reason, put it aside and let's focus on the message today. Let's allow it to come into our hearts, to come into our minds and, and to do whatever God wants to do. That is, that is the purpose that you're here today. He knows each and every one of you. He knows where you're at along this journey and he wants to speak something into your life today. So allow him to do that. Amen. Let's pray real quick. Let's get in the, the right frame of mind to receive what God has for us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for bringing us into your house today um, amongst uh, a bunch of believers and, and amongst the congregation, Lord, to come and worship you and to experience your presence, Lord. We ask that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds so that you can speak life into us, Lord. I ask that you would have your will and your way in me and, and speak through me to your people today. And I pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right, before I get into the message today, we have um, some pretty exciting stuff going on. Listen, as a church, we are growing. And, and um, amen, we are growing. And, and to be honest with you guys, um, we might have some room in here, but, but the kids' areas are bursting at the seams. And so we have Easter in two weeks. And um, so we are excited to announce that for Easter, because of the growth and because of the anticipated uh, attendance, we are going to have three services during Easter weekend. So um, we will have a service at 5 p.m. on Saturday night. <laughs> we will have two services on Sunday. That's at 9 a.m. and at 11 a.m., Okay. So three opportunities, so bring your family, bring your friends, everybody that you know, bring them along. There will be room in this place for them, so we are so excited about it. Um, we also have some Easter egg hunts that are going to be taking place for all the children, so if you know families that have small children, bring them along. They'll have fun. They'll get candy, maybe even some money, I'm hearing, so um, it'll be an awesome time. So we're pumped about it. We're excited. Listen, pray for us. Pray that, that God has his will, that, that everybody who needs to be here shows up here for what God has for him. All right? Spread the word. Let's get excited about it. Um, if you're interested, volunteer. We need all the help that we can get, guest services, children. We need it all. So, so if you want to get your, your hands dirty and get involved, please seek one of the leaders so that we can get you in on this. All right? All right. So um, if I asked you guys what your favorite television show was, would that be pretty easy for you to answer? I think that's kind of a, a, a pretty typical question nowadays. We watch a lot of different television shows. Um, so there's probably at least a couple that come to mind, right? Uh, there's a couple that stand out for me. But my favorite television show, um, and this is typically how I answer this question when asked, is Lost. Has anyone seen Lost? Ah, not too many. So if you, if you haven't seen Lost, um, it's a really, really cool show. It's, it's very different. And honestly, by the end of it, you're like, what just happened? I don't understand half of what just went down. But, but um, the plot is so interesting, and it keeps you engaged. But here's what I love about Lost is they do an outstanding job 
of, of developing and investing in their characters. That's really the root of the show because what they do is every episode, they actually hone in on one specific character. And what they do is they show you past, present, future, and, and you get some context into who it is and why they're there and, and, and maybe learn some things from it. And so that's what pulls you in. That's what gets you invested into the show. So today, um, in the story that we're going to talk about, that's what I'm going to attempt to do is to get us to invest in the characters, to maybe look at past, present, future, get some context into these people and, and determine why they were there and, and maybe why they did what they did and ultimately how we can learn from it. So um, today's message starts in John 12, 1, and we're just gonna read through the story and then I'll come back and, and kind of recap it. So um, John 12, 1, it says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom he had raised from the dead. So they prepared a dinner for Jesus there. Martha was serving, and Lazarus was among those present at the table with him. Then Mary took three quarters of a pound of expensive aromatic oil from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus. She then wiped his feet dry with her hair. And I like the little parentheses here. Now the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfumed oil. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was going to betray him, said, why wasn't this oil sold for 300 silver coins and the money given to the poor? Now Judas said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And so as keeper of the money box, he used to steal what was put into it. So Jesus said to him, leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial, for you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. So we are going to do some character diving. We're going to dig into these people and, and, and figure some things out and put some context into it and see what we can potentially learn. Now, I want to take a little bit of a different approach here because um, we know who the main characters are, right? I mean, we know Jesus um, we're trying to learn more about Jesus. We're trying to go closer to him. But we know who he is, and we've been talking about him for, what, 12, 13 weeks now in this series. So we know who he is. And, and we may not know much about Mary, but I think we can all agree in reading this that, that she gets it, right? I mean, she's approaching this the right way. She understands what's going on. She gets it. So I want to take a different approach. And, and, and so the title of my message, as you briefly saw, was The Supporting Cast. The Supporting Cast. So I want to dive into the supporting characters in this story and maybe talk about past, present, future, give some full context um, and see what we can take from each one of these characters. So let's get right into it. So the first character that was mentioned in this set of scriptures is a man by the name of Lazarus. Um, now, what you need to know about Lazarus is just days before this little dinner party that they had, uh, Lazarus was in a bit of a predicament. Uh, because he was dead. He was dead. Um, and it wasn't like, are we sure he was dead? Like, you know, are we sure he wasn't like passed out and Jesus kind of picked him up and everybody's like, oh. No, he was in a tomb for four days. In a tomb for four days. Now listen, I say a tomb, what it was is it's a cave. And what they do is they roll a big boulder in front of the opening of the cave. So even if Lazarus maybe wasn't dead going in, he certainly was after four days of no oxygen. So um, Lazarus was dead. And so, so his two sisters, Mary and Martha, um, are obviously distraught. 
And so they decide to approach Jesus. So Martha approaches Jesus and she says, we need some help here, right? Our bro is dead. We need some help. What's interesting here is, is as Jesus approaches the tomb, it's one of the few times in the gospels that it talks about him getting emotional. And it actually talks about how he was crying. I mean, that's how much he loved Lazarus. That's how much he loved his sisters. He's seeing what it's doing to them and how it's affecting them. And, and he's actually weeping. So, so Jesus says, okay, go ahead and roll the stone away. Just roll it away. And Martha actually tries stopping him. She's like, it's probably gonna smell pretty bad. And he's like, no, go ahead and roll it away. So listen, out of all the amazing, miraculous things that Jesus did while on earth, this has to be near the top. Because this is what Jesus says. He says, Lazarus, come out. That's it. Lazarus, come out. And sure enough, this man's been dead for over four days and he comes walking out and actually says he has the cloth around his hands, around his feet and around his head that he was buried with. And he comes walking out of the tomb alive and well. I mean, what? That, I mean, listen, we've, we've talked about some amazing things that Jesus has done, but to raise a man from the dead? That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. So listen, we're back to our story. Now Lazarus and Jesus are actually dining together, having a meal together. And what's interesting is it says that Lazarus was at the table with Jesus. In another translation, it says Lazarus was reclining at the table with Jesus. So in other words, he's just chilling out with Jesus, just hanging out with Jesus, right? Doesn't sound all that bad, does it? I mean, just hanging out with Jesus. He's there with us. That's awesome. But let's put it into perspective because this man, just days before, raised you from the dead and your sister is the one that's on her hands and on her knees and who's washing his feet. You're the one that came to life and your sister's the one who's making the sacrifice. Here's what I take from Lazarus. He's already complacent. <laughs> he was raised from the dead days before and he's already complacent. I'm just hanging out with Jesus, just chilling out with him. He's already forgotten about what's, what he's done and, and if he hasn't forgotten, he's certainly forgotten the magnitude of it. Can we agree with that? Yeah. Now here's the truth. We do this every day of our lives. Every day of our lives, we're just hanging out with Jesus. Woo! Happy to be with Jesus today. Glad to be with Jesus. He's with me. And you already forgot what he did for you yesterday. You already forgot what he did for you this morning. Because if you hadn't forgot, you'd be on your hands and you'd be on your knees serving him. We get complacent with where we're at. We forget what he's done for us. We even do it in church, right? Just sitting, reclining with Jesus. Music sounds good today. It's not about the music. It's, it's about the one who the music's being played to, and we lose focus of what it's all about. Yes. I'm not sure there's anything more dangerous than being spiritually complacent. I'm not sure there's anything more dangerous than that because it's so hard to dig yourself out of that. 
you just so easily forget what he's done for you, right? He's done so many things for you. Every day he's saving you for something. Everything, every day he's sparing you from something and you just take it for granted. And you can't dig yourself out of it. And what happens is passion dies out and, and joy vanishes from your life and purpose becomes cloudy because you've lost focus. There's people in this very building who... who um, God has done a miracle in your life just within the last couple of months. And I'm talking about a real life miracle and you've already become complacent. Now here's the antidote. Here's the answer. You put your eyes back on Jesus. You put your focus back on Jesus. You put your passion, you put your joy, you put your purpose back into the one who gave it to you to begin with. It might just be time in your life to where you get onto your hands and on your knees and you submit to Jesus. It might just be that time in your life. We lose focus. We become complacent because after all, he's done it so many times before, he's gonna do it again. Put your eyes back on the purpose. Put your eyes back on Jesus. Let's move on. I could stay there a while, but I don't want to go into that rabbit hole. So let's move on. So the, the second character is Martha. Now, I, I mentioned Martha is um, Lazarus' sister. So she saw Jesus raise him from the dead. I mean, she saw it with her own eyes. First-hand account, she saw this man raise her brother from the dead. I mean, just, just think about that for a second. Your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, if that happened, just imagine the unbelievable perspective you would have. Now, in this story, Martha, Martha's not too far off, okay? She's, she's trying. She's putting some work in. In, in our story here in John 12, it says that she's serving. Now, in a, another gospel, it says that she's actually running around and, and she's working her tail off and she's trying to be a good host. And so she's not far off. She's trying She's trying to show some appreciation. She's trying to, to serve the one that's in the room and actually says that she gets upset with Mary because Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet. Here's the problem. Martha has become preoccupied. Martha has become busy. Um, at my house, and, and I gotta present this a certain way so I don't get in trouble, but... But at my house, my wife is one of the hardest workers I've ever met in my entire life. And this is somebody that um, I'm with all the time. Trust me, she works her tail off with everything that she does. And she gets it honestly because um, if you go and hang out with her, her parents and with her family, um, you don't sit with them long before they're up working on the truck or they're up working on the boat or doing something or cleaning something. And, and that's just life for them. And so she gets it honestly. And so at the house a lot, she's, she's always doing something, right? She's doing the laundry and she's doing the dishes and she's cleaning this and she's fixing this. And that's one of the reasons why we're real compatible because I don't really like doing anything at all. But, <laughs> but no, she works her tail off. And so um, every night we try to spend some, some time together, you know, and watch a TV show or a movie or just hang out. And, and so every once in a while I have to, hey, hey, babe, just, just stop. We'll do that stuff later. Okay, we'll, we'll handle that stuff later. You'll, you'll handle that stuff later. <laughs> but just let's spend some time. Let's just spend some time together. Now, from her perspective, she's doing all this stuff for me, 
right? I mean, she's cleaning up my dirty dishes and she's cleaning up my dirty clothes and she's doing all this stuff for me. But here's my perspective. I'm in the room with her. She can run around and do all this stuff for me, but I'm in the room with her. Can we just spend some time together? Can we just hang out with each other? So listen, Martha here, Martha's just, she's just missing the point. She's just missing the mark. She's just a little distracted. And here's what happens in life. We, we jump into this Christianity thing and, 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 and we're gung-ho. We wanna do this thing. We wanna get involved. And, and what quickly happens is we get our religious checklist out. We get our religious chore list out. And okay, so uh, let's see here. No more cussing, check. Um, let's make sure we get our temper under control, check. And we go off of this daily list of tasks and we lose focus on the fact that we're in the presence of our Savior. Now listen, this church is not about behavior modification. That's not the point of this. We aren't here so that you can successfully complete your religious checklist each day. That's not the point. The reason that that we're here and the reason that we started the bridge is because our Lord and Savior is here. And he's available. And, and, and we want someone to realize that he died for us, that he rose again, that he's available, and that you can turn your heart to him and give him control, and that he can take your life over. That is the point. Now, Martha's trying, right? She's trying. She's running around, and, and she's working her butt off. But listen to this. She's not getting any closer to Jesus because she's focused on the wrong thing. You can run around and do a million different things, but if your focus isn't on the right thing, you're not making progress. You have to keep your focus on Jesus. Put your checklist down and put your eyes on Jesus. Now listen, I'll talk to the leadership team for a second because this can happen in ministry as well. Because in ministry, we can get so busy and so worn down because we've got a meeting this week and we've got practice on Sunday morning and I gotta prepare for the sermon and, and I gotta prepare for Activate and I gotta do this and I gotta do that. And what quickly happens is you lose focus on the whole point to begin with. It's time that, that everybody in this church, wherever you're at, that you get your eyes back on Jesus that you realize that we're doing this for a specific purpose, for a specific reason, and for one man. For one man. If we can do that as a church, I'm telling you, the focus, the purpose, the progress that we will make will blow our minds, but we have to get our eyes back on Jesus. Amen. The last character is Judas. Now, we know that Judas ends up betraying Jesus, right? I mean, even if you didn't know that, it said it in the scripture, right? Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus and says it over and over again in the gospel, spoiler alert after spoiler alert, listen, Judas is gonna betray Jesus. But let's put that aside for just a second because Judas was a disciple, right? Which is to say that, that he has seen Jesus do some amazing, unbelievable things. He has seen Jesus um, heal countless number of people. He has seen Jesus 
bring people to life. He has seen Jesus cast demons out of people. Not only that, but listen, he's had a firsthand account of the true perfection of Jesus. You think about that for a second. With as much time as he spent around the guy, not once has he seen him mess up. Not once has he seen him make a mistake. And yet he's in the room. Mary's on her knees, anointing Jesus' feet. And this man's in the corner rolling his eyes. And he actually has the audacity to say, what a waste of money. I mean, we could be spending this on, on the poor. What, I mean, what are we doing, guys? This doesn't make any sense. But he's cloaking the real problem because as the scripture said, he wasn't worried about the poor. What was he worried about? Himself. He's selfish. Now, I know that we can look at Judas and scoff pretty easily, right? <laughs> you know, what an idiot. This guy, what a loser. But... but are you telling me that you've never seen somebody get blessed and, and kind of rolled your eyes? You've never seen somebody get blessed and think, are you kidding me with this guy? This is the guy that's gonna get the promotion. This is the guy that's gonna get the recognition. Are you kidding me? Or how about this? You see somebody reading a devotional or you hear somebody talking to somebody about Jesus and you're thinking, this lady, she's gonna act like she knows Jesus. Listen, we, we say this a lot, but it's the truth. As consumers in this world, we are fed so much selfishness. I mean, everything that we see, everything that we hear, all the advertisements, it's all about us. And so we carry that into our spiritual lives and it's about me, it's about me, it's about me, it's what can I get out of it? What, my, what can my kids get out of it? It's all about us and we miss the point. If you're in this for, for selfish reasons and you may not even know it, but maybe you're, maybe you're coming to church just because uh, you want to appease the wife, right? She won't nag me anymore if I just come to church. Or maybe you're here just for appearances. Or, or maybe if you're, in, you're here just so that you hope God kind of gives you a pat on the back for making the sacrifice on a weekend. If, if that's your reason, then you're just missing the point. Because listen, Judas, it's not about you. It's about the one who's currently having his feet anointed with oil and wiped off with hair. See, see, that's the point. In closing, the worship team can, can come on up. There is, there's one consistency between these three supporting characters, and I've said it in each one of these circumstances, and that is that they're just missing the point. They don't get it. I mean, listen to this. Despite the fact that they're in the room with him. Now listen to this. Focus on this. They're in the room with him. We're talking about God in the flesh. We, we're talking about the savior of the world. They're within arm's length of him and they're missing it. But Mary, she gets it. See, she realizes the opportunity that's in front of her and she's not gonna let it slip through her fingers. She gets it because after all, he's here, he's right here in front of me and, 
and I'm gonna put all my focus on him. In fact, what do I have? I've got this oil, I'm gonna pour it on his feet because it's his to begin with. And you know what, I'm gonna wipe it off with my hair because after all, it's not about me. She's the one that gets it. She understands who's in the room with her and she knows where to put her focus. And what's cool about this story is she actually is serving many different purposes by doing this. Many that she doesn't even know about. Many that are gonna come to pass after she does this. If you could stand to your feet. So listen to this, just six days, six days, six days after she anoints his feet with oil, Jesus would actually wash his disciples' feet as an example of how to be a servant. A sign of submission that was initiated by Mary. Listen to this, the last book of the Bible, Revelation 3.9, listen to what it says. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. A sign of worship that was first completed by Mary. But here's the coolest one. See, back in those days, the custom was to anoint the king with oil before the beginning of his reign. And a week later, with the fragrance of the oil still on him, that man was beaten and he was bruised. And he was mocked by his own people. And nails were driven into his hands and nails were driven into his feet. On the cross, he was seemingly taking his last breath. But three days later, three days later, Jesus defeats death. He defeats the grave. And because of what Mary did just seven days before, he was announced our resurrected king. Through her sacrifice, through her submission, she anointed the resurrected king for his eternal reign on earth. Come on, can we give him praise right now, Lord? We serve our resurrected king, Lord. You are anointed our king from here until eternity, Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. In your mighty name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
become complacent. I don't know if maybe you've become distracted because you're trying to do so many things for Jesus and you're just missing the point. I don't know if you're, you've become selfish and it's become all about you, but wherever you're at and whatever situation you're in, I think it's probably about time that you get onto your hands, that you get onto your knees, and that you serve the resurrected King. As a church, everything that we do needs to line up with one focus, is the savior of the world that's the one who came and died for our sins that's the one who rose again and became our resurrected king can we just take a moment and close our eyes and bow our heads and god we submit to you everything that we are everything that we have you know it sounds cool what mary did right it sounds awesome but when we put ourselves in those shoes we have to submit ourselves in front of somebody's feet and we have to to pour expensive oil and we have to wipe it off with our own hair it doesn't become glamorous but it's true submission it's true sacrifice to you Lord and that's what we want to do today that's what we want to do in our lives when we leave here we don't want to immediately become complacent and forget about what you've done and forget about your word but we want it to to be buried deep into our hearts to be thought upon to be prayed upon to be studied so that we can change our lives, that we can put our focus back on you. As the St. Louis Bridge Church, let's put our focus back on.